everyone. Welcome to the Bonafide Legal Podcast. Bonafide Legal Podcast is a weekly podcast to help attorneys and business owners with time management and lifestyle tips. I'm a mother, grandmother, wife, movie enthusiast, fan of a great deal, restaurant lover, follower of many television shows, self-proclaimed fashionista, and overall in love with popular culture. Besides all this, I'm a lawyer. I've been a lawyer for over 20 years. Throughout my practice, I struggle day by day to find balance between work and life. There is a lot going on in the world right now. As I record this, this it is June 6, 2020. Uh, There's a lot of unrest. There's rioting. We're still dealing with the COVID crisis. And my heart goes out to everyone. Please stay safe. Please watch out for dangerous situations. And stay close to your families. And just stay safe overall. Um, I'm just going to talk today about my heart has been very, very heavy this week. And I just wanted to get back to my basics of this podcast, which is time management tips for business owners and attorneys. And I'm going to talk about my tips for how I've become a successful attorney. Well, not successful (laughs) per se, but um, successful from this extent like I'm not Mark Garagos, I'm not, you know, making millions of dollars, but successful from the the perspective that I feel like my clients like me. I feel that judges um, are often okay with what I'm saying. I, you know, I think I have some credibility with them. I think opposing counsel at the end of the case would have nice stuff to say about me. And that to me really define success. So I love Saul Goodman from Better Call Saul and from uh, Breaking Bad. And last season, uh, Better Call Saul just ended probably about two months ago. And it was a really good season. It's, uh, there's one more season left. And they're really entering the Breaking Bad territory. And um, I am enjoying the show immensely. But as an attorney, I don't strive to be like Saul. I will tell you this, though, watching Saul a lot of times, not the, you know, dealing with the drug cartels, but sort of his everyday in court and making arguments on his feet. A lot of that to me feels very real. When I look at that show, a lot of times I think he is, this is the most real law show on TV. Like it just shows like the um, attorneys who who are surrounded by bankers boxes of files, working all night on a transaction, um, helping clients on smaller matters in court, but a smaller matter to you, but a very big matter for the client. Like it really gets that feeling out. And I've really enjoyed that about the show. So Saul is entertaining, but he's not representative of the vast majority of attorneys in his experience. Like I said, the stuff with the cartel, that's more over the top, that's for entertainment value. But sort of the everyday stuff, I think 
a lot of attorneys could relate to that you see with Saul and his um, partner. Um, I, don't, I don't know what else to call her. I'll just call her her partner, his partner, Kim uh, Drexel in the show and the other attorneys in the show, like how they have how, just how you see them working. So many attorneys, the majority, vast majority of attorneys that I've met over the years are hardworking, helpful, cordial, enthusiastic, and all of these are attributes that I believe are required for being a successful attorney. So 20 years ago, and now getting close to 21 years, I became an attorney. And I handle dozens of incoming calls every month from different referral sources. And I'm lucky enough to say that a lot of those individuals become my clients. And so after two decades of working as an attorney, I've discovered a few tips on how to break good and be a successful attorney, or at least successful what I believe in my eyes to be success. And I think that's another thing too is the first thing is you have to define what success means to you. And like I said, success means to me that my clients generally like me. You know, obviously there's going to be conflicts. You can't have a situation where you're helping someone with a difficult situation and and them not be frustrated. And a lot of times it doesn't have anything to do with you, but it comes out as being frustrations on you. So that's, you know, something that as an attorney you have to learn to deal with or, or any kind of business that you're in. And then success is just making sure that People think I have some credibility, and other attorneys don't cringe when they hear my name. So another thing that I define for success is being responsive. Some days I might be contacted by a dozen potential clients, and then, of course, my own clients, judges, clerks, and opposing counsel. And my goal is to respond as soon as possible. I try to have no unreturned calls by the end of the day, even if it means returning calls after 5 p.m. I have found that there, the cutoff time for maybe returning calls is about 6.15. If I'm returning calls after 6.15, sometimes people are a little bit weirded out by that. They're already at home, they're having dinner, they might be watching a television show, and they've turned off for the night. So um, just calling them back in the morning if I can't get to it is, is fine. Sometimes I just return a call or send an email to say, I'm in trial all day, but can we have a longer conversation in the next few days? And at least I've given some sort of response that puts people at ease. In this job, whatever people are dealing with is oftentimes the most urgent thing in their lives. And sometimes someone will call me, they will leave a message, then they will call, they will um, call back like maybe 30 minutes later, they'll send an email to say that they're trying to reach me. And I'm not a person who's not returning your call because I don't feel like it. Like if I'm not returning the call, it's because I'm literally in a situation where I can't return it. I'm in court or I'm physically in a meeting. And that always, um, you know, bums me out because I want to 
not leave someone in in a upset situation, but you can only do so many things at once. So I really do my best to be responsive. And it to me, that feels good just to not have any unanswered messages at the end of the day. Or like I said, if they are messages at the end of the day and I can't get to them, to return them first thing in the morning. Usually I don't return a call before 9 a.m. Some people are fine with it, but I found that there's just too many people who will get up around, you know, maybe 8 or 8.30, so they're not ready for a call at that time. So unless they've specifically said that they're up and about, or if they've called me at, you know, 7.30, then I know they're up, I won't call till after 9. Because um, in the past, I've like come in early and started calling people, and I can tell that I've I've woken people up and and that is embarrassing. All right. Another thing I do as an attorney is like when people call me, I get the basic information right away. Their name, their contact details, how they've heard of me, and also just a thumbnail sketch of their case. I don't need everything right away, but I need to know what type of matter it is. Is it a family law matter, for instance? And I probably don't need the one hour history, but I do need just like a little bit, like we're going through a custody situation. I'm getting a divorce. My decree was returned by the court unsigned, you know, things like that, where I can know from the, um, the client, like what it is that they need. Another thing that I have that I feel defines my success is to be kind and sympathetic. And it's not because I put this act on where, oh, I, I feel really bad for you. First of all, I, I do. I feel for these clients. I am sorry that it, whatever is happening to them is happening to them. And I have to remember that as busy as my day is, whatever they have going on, is what is most important to them. So I need to just keep focused on that. I've also found that people can be very intimidated talking to an attorney. So I like to say, how can I help you? And I'm so sorry this is happening to you. Many years ago, I taught a divorce class with a superior court judge who said something to me that I'll never forget. He said, when I have 50 cases on my docket and I feel overwhelmed, I just remember that this case is the most important thing that's going on in those litigants' lives. And I try to treat each case like it's my only case of the day. And I just try to remember that as well because I have a tendency to look forward at my schedule. This last Tuesday, I had... 12 matters on my calendar. Some were call-in hearings to the court. I had uh, two in-person meetings, and I had a ton of telephone meetings. When I started the, the first meeting at nine in the morning, my mind was everywhere, and I really had to get focused to focus on one meeting at a time. And before I knew it, I was at the last one at 3.30, and um, I actually went home a little bit earlier and worked from home because in a day like that where it's meeting after meeting, it's very hard to get anything done. 
So I will bring a little bit of work home and, and get stuff done. Another tip I'll give is to use whatever resources are out there. And there are a million resources out there. And it can be resources that are electronic. It can be a person resource. It can be a resource from the court. There is a ton of helpful information out there. And I try to know as much as I can about whatever people are calling me about so I can answer some basic questions. Sometimes I don't do the legal matter, but at least if I can say to someone, you know, if you're thinking about filing bankruptcy, here's someone that you can speak to, or here's a website that I found that has some basic information on it um, that might just help steer you in the right direction if I'm not able to help, just to sort of get people on the on the right track. Another thing that I try to do is set reasonable expectations. Usually when someone is going through something that's very difficult, they may not have a good sense of what your schedule might be like. Like if they're going through an emergency, they may feel that you're a 24-7 legal hotline. And although attorneys need to be responsive, I don't have the ability to be available at 2 a.m. I am a one-person shop in a way. I have another attorney who works for me, and I have a legal assistant, but we're working during business hours. So if I'm getting a call at 2 a.m., there's no one there to staff that. So a good way to set expectations for a new client is to prepare a representation letter that gives information on fees that you're generally available during the day, and ground rules for working with your firm. And any kind of business that you're in, if you have some sort of representation letter or a contract that sets forth those expectations, you're really doing yourself a favor and you're doing your client a favor as well. Another thing that's important to me is using good technology. I'll tell you technology has really been a challenge since COVID because I feel like the uh, systems that are out there are getting overworked. There's a lot of times where I my internet is cutting out just in the middle of the day. It'll happen for two minutes, but it'll happen when I'm in the middle of a call, which is extremely inconvenient. Or the network on the phone is running behind, so 15 seconds of the call, um, we can't hear each other. My email won't accept new emails or is bouncing back emails. Just lots of like glitches, I feel, lately. A lot of on the phone with um, the tech support lines just trying to, you know, figure out what's going on. I lost, um, I had a cell, I had a fax number for 20 years. I lost it because I just could not get the company to be able to transfer it to my new place. Could not get it done, no matter what I did. Um, and then my other fax machine, I've always had two fax machines, although faxes aren't as important anymore. 
My other fax machine, I was like, okay, at least I have this other one, just stopped receiving faxes for a couple of days. And I was on the phone nonstop with the tech people. And then, I mean, maybe it's something that they did, but then just suddenly it started working again. So, um, and then I tried to do another fax number, like a virtual fax number, signed up for it, put in my credit card, could never get the confirmation email to do it, called them a few times, I finally gave up. So there's been a lot of frustration lately. So there is some trial and error and just trying to keep on top of things and making sure that your systems are working. Um, But, you know, besides like the recent frustrations, finding technology that works for you is important. I have a voice over IP system, which usually works great. Like I said, some glitches recently, but the system has an app that can send calls directly from my office to my cell phone. And the app also picks up text messages for the clients who try to text my office line. I know that sounds weird, but it does happen um, quite a bit where people will text just the regular office line. I just, I don't know if they figure everybody has a cell phone now. Um, but I don't know. It happens quite a bit. And then there's an area where we'll capture those text messages. So this allows me to be responsive without giving out my personal cell phone number. And there has been a few times where I've had to give out my personal cell phone number. And for most people, they're very respectful of it. But occasionally someone gets it and they feel free to text you at one in the morning with a question. Um, so the app and this phone system generally works pretty good for me. I also use a program called Go to My PC, which allows me to log into my office computer to access my email and other files on the server. A few years ago, it was very cheap. It was like $150 a year. I just paid the bill recently, and it was about $450, which was kind of a shock. But the value to my efficiency is priceless. I can download and send myself files from my office server through the go to my PC program. And I I can't put a price on that. It's just very efficient for me. My MacBook Air has been great for me. I used to I use tablets almost exclusively for work outside of the office for a long time. But I was having a couple of problems with that. The tablets would have a uh, keyboard that was separate from it, so I had to carry the keyboard and the tablet. You could get a mouse, but then you'd have to carry the mouse separate. And the tablets were a little bit small. For years, I actually used an iPad mini for work, and it was kind of okay. And then I turned 40 and could not see anymore. And so even with reading glasses, the iPad mini became too difficult to use. And then I used an iPad Pro, which is the bigger one, about the size of a laptop. But then with carrying all the accessories, I thought, why not get a MacBook Air? And I love this computer. It works great. I've had it for for years and years. And if you buy them 
around the time that school starts, a lot of times there's a deal where you can get a set of beats for free. And I got the pink, rose pink wireless ones, which at the time were about $330. And the MacBook Air was like, I don't know, 800, I think. So to be able to get the free beats on top of it, it, it was really, really nice. Um, okay, what else? Oh, I'll mention something about the iPad Pro. So just recently, and I guess kind of bummed about it, but it's been so many years, there's nothing I can do about it. I saw a really, really cool keyboard that you can attach to your iPad Pro, which has a keyboard and a mouse, which essentially makes your iPad Pro a laptop. I was really, really tempted to get it. I think it's about $150. But I thought, okay, my laptop is working great. Why would I get it? I will tell you one thing my laptop has been having an issue with is that it um, won't handle the Zoom calls. It will drop Zoom calls, freeze and drop. It took me some trial and error to figure out that it was the laptop. So I've been doing Zoom calls either just directly on my phone or on an iPad Air that I now have. So, you know, trial and error with technology and just find what works best for you. Another thing I'll say is that's very important for my practice is embracing time management practices. For years, I randomly went through my day. And I don't mean every day I didn't have a schedule. I always had a schedule. I had a schedule of these are my meetings. These are my court hearings. But whenever I was trying to schedule around the things that are the sort of the set in stone things, I was very random about it and didn't put enough thought into it. Like, for example, if I had a 1.30 hearing, I would schedule meetings all morning until they ended at 12.30 and then run out the door and try to get to court. This was a disaster for me on many occasions. Because here's what happens. If you're scheduled, say, 8.30, 9.30, 10.30, 11.30, and you finish your last meeting at 12.30, and you have to run out the door and get to court, you haven't assembled the files that you need. You've been, there's been calls that have been piling up because you haven't given yourself a break. You probably don't have time for lunch or a cup of coffee. And now you're going to work or you're going to court starving. There's been a ton of times where I've gone to court and just been starving or I would try to get a few minutes to go through and get fries and then was like woofing down fries at McDonald's. So instead, I'm more thoughtful about it. I think, okay, if I have to leave at 1230, I cannot be done at 1230. I have to be done earlier. So I might schedule one or two meetings instead of four, make sure I'm able to get some work done, get my files ready, and just really keep it all together. I also tend to, something that works for me is if I can schedule my meetings in bulk, like for example, last Tuesday, where I had meetings scheduled from 
I think it was 8.30 it started. So about 8.30 or 9 in the morning till about 3.30. I did them back to back. I knew this was going to be my day. And then afterwards in the evening, I caught up on emails. And at the very end of the day, I, I tried to, I was doing a thing where I was returning calls between meetings if I could, but knew I couldn't get any substantial work done. And also had a little buffer in there to be able to eat some lunch. I had like 15 or 20 minutes and I had meals at the office. So having these time management skills, and I've read a lot of time management books, this has really been a lifesaver to me. Okay, what next? Oh, a really, really important one is treat each client as a referral source. For me, most of my business comes from other people who have heard of me in some manner. In the past few years, I really started marketing, but I've been very... um, mindful about what the marketing is. I don't do all the marketing in in the world. I don't have a giant billboard. I'm not on TV. I don't have a radio spot. But I will do some search engine optimization and um, be on some websites that may be able to give me referrals. These are a, a little bit of what I do to get clients. But the biggest source of clients for me is referrals. And the referrals often come from prior clients. So remember, the person that you're dealing with today, the person that you're servicing today, whether it's their divorce or whatever business that you're in, or if you're doing a contract for them, or you're helping them with civil litigation or an appeal, if they've had a good experience with you, they're probably going to refer you to all their friends and families. I get countless calls every month where someone will say to me, I was referred by so-and-so who used you several years ago, or it even is sometimes a couple degrees of separation away. They'll say, my cousin's friend's aunt used you, and they said they had a really good experience with you, and so I'm giving you a call. And I'm like, wow, wow, that's just a lovely, lovely type of referral. At one point, uh, one of my, my favorite stories is I felt like I was representing everyone at the same company. It was kind of a big company, a little division of a big company that was in Arizona on all their matters. And my name was floating around and I was getting referrals from them. So you never know where a referral is going to come from. So never write someone off or make them feel less than no matter how small the job is. Again, everyone, take care. I'm wrapping up for today. I don't really have, usually I have like a movie review or something to give you, but I do have a couple fun things to talk about. It's my birthday next week. It is my um, grandson's birthday. We share a birthday. He'll be one. So it's very exciting. I have always loved my birthday. It's June 10th. And I don't know why, but that day has always made me feel very special. And when he was born on my birthday, it just was really the the tip of the iceberg for me. It just made me feel like, yes, see how special this day is. I'll be 48. I don't never really thought I'd get this old. It's kind of unbelievable. And um, one thing I've liked to do for my birthday, I mean, this year I'll be tamped down a little bit, obviously, with everything going on. But I've always liked to take um, advantage of the 
offers that are out there. My Probably my favorite one is Red Robin. They give you a whole burger for free. Um, and you can get an expensive burger. You can get one of the fancy burgers. I always get the upgraded um, Impossible Burger. Get it for free. It's a good thing. A lot of places will give you a dessert. I think Olive Garden is a dessert, California Pizza Kitchen. You usually have to sign up online. They send you an email. P.F. Chang's is a dessert. Starbucks, you get a free coffee. It's only on the day of your birthday, so remember that. And Denny's, you can get a free Grand Slam. Last year when my grandson was born and he was just this tiny little bean that I was holding, I kept telling him that I missed, um, he made me miss my Grand Slam and my Starbucks. And um, everyone was making fun of me going, you could have just got it to go. But that wasn't the point. I wanted to tell, have this little joke with this little baby that he made me miss my Grand Slam and my Starbucks. Because really, how important is that when a baby is being born? But so for this year, because I've said it enough to him and it's become kind of a joke, I'm taking him to Denny's and we're going to get our Grand Slams together. Um, I'm reading a couple of books. I feel like this is the time to catch up on classics. I'm reading Catcher in the Rye. I'm pretty sure I've never read it. But as I'm reading it, some of it seems familiar. So I'm not sure if I'm just familiar enough with the story that it seems familiar or if I've read it in the past. I'm 90% sure I've never read it or read the whole thing. So it's enjoyable to catch up on a classic. I'm also reading the new Stephen King book called If It Bleeds. It's four like short novels. Probably from Stephen King, some of my favorite uh, works from him are his short stories. So this is right up my alley, these four short novels. I finished the first one. I really, really liked it. And I'm started in the second one. It's a little omnipotent um, of today's uh, culture. It's just kind of a, it's like a dystopian type story, but also um, it has like a fantasy aspect to it. And it's just sort of reminding me of what's going on today. Like, for example, and you know what, not even exactly what's going on today, um, but like the fears people have, like in the story, like the entire internet goes out and the, um, all the electricity goes out forever. And it's not because of the reasons that you think it has like a little twist in it, which is um, fun and kind of surprising. And that's the second story. I'm still kind of in it, so I don't know what happens. But maybe it's not a good thing <laughs> to read things that are a little scary. But I've always been a fan of Stephen King. And this um, book with the four short stories, like I said, it's really something that is is something that's up my alley. Um, I saw a, a movie this week that was recommended personally for me from one of the guys from the film vault an old movie from the 80s called Angel Heart it's with Mickey Rourke and Robert De Niro I was telling um, Anderson from the film vault that I love twist endings and he says oh well there's an ultimate twist ending in this movie and I said but I always figure them out and um, and I said if I can't figure them out that's always a treat I figured out part of it, not all of it. 
it's the movie's a little dated, a little weird. It has great scenes from New Orleans in it. And a lot of New Orleans looks exactly the same as it does in this movie, which is 35 years old, like, like crazy that so much looks the same. I mean, there's a lot in New Orleans that, you know, is newer and more corporate, but there are these streets that you walk down and I'm sure they looked, they look the same. I know for sure they look the same in the eighties as they do today and probably look the same in the fifties and the twenties. And that's another thing I was thinking about. Gosh, do I miss New Orleans? You know, I miss traveling. Just have nothing going on right now um, in terms of that. Just, you know, hunkered in and, and not knowing when that's going to start again. I didn't want to end on a dark cloud. I'm not going to end on a dark cloud. We're going to keep this positive. Um, so that was a movie that was kind of fun. You have to rent it. It was on, I rented it on Amazon for like, Amazon for like $4, like no big deal. Um, so that's all I have in terms of pop culture stuff for the week in terms of referrals uh, and ref, um, referrals and recommendations of what you can watch or read. And I think that's all I have today. You can find the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes under Florence Legally Brunette. Under Florence Legally Brunette, Bonafide Legal Podcast. You can find me on Twitter, Tumblr, and Instagram under Florence Legally Brunette. Facebook on my personal page. On my law office page, Law Office of Florence Bremer, my website, bremerlaw.com. I'm also on Patreon. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. And again, stay safe. I appreciate the listeners. I appreciate the comments. And hang in there. We're going to get through this.